considering patience. We've been in this fruit of the spirit study, uh, working through Galatians, and uh, we've, we've really slowed down to focus our attention on uh, each aspect of the fruit of the spirit. Um, last week, we talked about patience. We started with uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. And so we're going to launch from that same point today uh, where he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and here it is, patience. Then he he explains it in verse 13. He says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Let's pray. Father, we ask now for your grace as we listen to your word, as we consider it. Help us to do it. Help us to put on compassionate hearts today. Help us to put on patience today as we relate to others, as we wait on you through the various trials of life. We just ask for that grace. Help us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we learned last week that the word patience that we use regularly uh, in our day-to-day language stands for many other words that we find in the New Testament. Uh, Words like being long-suffering, being uh, forbearing with others, forgiving others. That's this idea all is uh, encompassed in the word patience. And so last week we covered the areas of suffering mistreatment. So when others unjustly hurt us, cause us pain, how can we be patient in those circumstances? Responding to provocation. When others question our authority, um, then that is an area where we must show patience. And then the area of tolerating shortcomings. And I have no doubt that uh, this last week we all had ample opportunity to be tested in those areas because we've all been provoked. We've all uh, had to tolerate the shortcomings of others. Uh, Tori had even mentioned this morning uh, that, that he this week got coupled up with a 21-year-old green guy in his job and had to work with this guy all week and said that in itself, not that the guy was a bad guy, but it was just a test of his patience because he didn't, he didn't understand everything he needed to understand to get the jobs done. And so we get what that's like. We could talk about those circumstances, but we want to move on. Uh, not that we're ever going to move on from showing patience to other people because uh, we really all have to grow in that area and continue to grow in that area. Uh, we, we have to strive to be doers of the word in that particular area of life. But today we're going to talk about patience towards God. Two particular areas, we, what, what it is to wait on God, and then what it is to uh, trust Him as we move through adversity um, in our lives. And so, talking about waiting on God, what are some typical circumstances and situations that we often find ourselves waiting on God for. Anybody want to fire one off? Maybe you're in the middle of one of them right now. 
Maybe you've just come out of one. What's, what are we waiting on God to do oftentimes? Just answer to our prayers. Okay, yeah. Just answer to prayers. Those prayers could look like a lot of different things. What are, some, what are some prayers that we often pray where we're just left then to say, okay, God, in your time. Okay, yep. Him to work in somebody's life. Uh, praying for loved ones uh, to come to Christ, uh, to put their trust in Him. Uh, I mentioned even earlier, it just came to my mind, my, my father-in-law, uh, Faith's dad. Uh, he was the first-generation Christian in his family and uh, immediately began to pray. This is 50 years ago for, for all of his family. And really, it's not until the last uh, five, ten years, God has been working and saving those family members that he's diligently prayed for for 50 years. Uh, that's a lot of waiting, though, in the meantime. What else do we wait on God for? Prayers for physical healing. Okay, yeah, physical healing. Uh, just... Get rid of this disease, whatever it may be. Yeah. Direction. For direction. Which, which way do I go? Uh, which door are you going to open? When are you going to open the door? Yeah. The, the, the waiting on God is a struggle. Um, most of the time. Most of the time, waiting on Him is very difficult. Um, people are asking the question even now, you know, will my relationship survive? Will my country survive? Will my business survive? We've got people in our own congregation that are dealing with these kinds of circumstances in their lives. Here lately, um, I've been reading about Abraham, and, and some of you have been too, if you're in a new Bible reading plan that starts in Genesis. Abraham had to wait, right? God told him, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great people. I'm going to give you a land. He had to leave his hometown, move to this strange place, and then he waited where's my great family? We, we don't even have a kid. We can't have a kid. And they wait for years, years, decades, decades. They try to take matters in their own hands at one point because Sarah brings Hagar into Abraham. From that is born Ishmael, but that's not what God had promised. He promised between Abraham and Sarah. And so they continue to wait until they're about 100 years old. And God provides Isaac. That's a lot of waiting on God. I think of another character from the Old Testament, uh, King Saul, he did not like to wait on God. Um, in the points where Saul was instructed, wait on the Lord, wait on me, Samuel, to come, he, he neglected to do so. He took matters into his own hands. And as a result of not being patient, not waiting on God, he had the kingdom taken away from him. And it was given to a younger man who had learned what it meant to wait on God, David. David had been promised the kingdom for a number of years and was already anointed to be king, but Saul was still in the picture. And he waited, sometimes hiding in caves because Saul was trying to take his life. Sometimes embedded with the enemy uh, in the Philistine region, um, acting like a crazy man just so he could avoid dying. David waited and waited on the Lord, even at points when he could have taken matters into his own hands by taking Saul's life, by advancing, he continued to wait on him. And he wrote this in Psalm, Psalm 40, he says, I wait patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the miry clay, out of the mud and mire. And he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. 
In the New Testament, James has a good deal to say to us about being patient and waiting on the Lord. I'm going to ask you to turn, if you would, to James chapter 5 with me. James 5. We're going to start in verse 7. We've got these great examples from the Old Testament, but James gives us some excellent examples to consider as we think about being patient. Before we look here, James 5, 7, remember James is the pastor at the church of Jerusalem. He's writing to uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ that he dearly loves who have now fled Jerusalem because of persecution, because of famine, uh, because of different reasons. They are, they are no longer able to gather together and meet. They've had to spread out all over uh, the particular region. And James is writing to them to encourage them. And here's what he says in 5.7. Be patient, therefore, brothers. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. He's patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And notice verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Why does he add verse 9 in there? Because here's our tendency. When we're impatient, when we're waiting on God to do something, we're often frustrated. And what do we do? We typically take that frustration out on the people around us. So he says, don't grumble against each other either while you're waiting on the Lord to do his work. And then he goes on, and uh, particularly verse 10, he says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, consider the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. They spoke all the time. God's going to bring judgment. God didn't bring judgment. Think about Habakkuk that we looked at just this last year. Habakkuk said, God, when are you going to do this? And God says, Habakkuk, you're going to have to wait for it. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to be patient. And he goes on, and says, Behold, uh, we consider these blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness or the patience of Job, and, and you've seen the, the purpose of the Lord, but the Lord is compassionate, and He is merciful. Those are some comforting and challenging words as we think about being patient and waiting on the Lord. How do we grow that, though? How do we grow in patience when we find ourselves in those seasons of waiting? I want to give you a, a, a few things to consider. First of all, meditate. Meditate on and believe the promises that God's made in His Word. We grow in patience the more we consider the promises that God has made. Because the more we consider those promises, the more we realize He's got a pretty good track record. He's never broken covenant with His people. He's never broken a promise. Um, God is faithful, has always been faithful to keep those promises. The second thing I would encourage you to do while you're waiting, um, do the things that you know are God's will for you to be doing in that moment. Your responsibilities. There's always something we can be doing 
to serve him. Uh, I've often described it and been described to me and I've described it. If you consider life as just this giant circle and in this circle are all of these concerns that we have, health, health concerns for people, job concerns for ourselves, all of these things that are going on that most of them we don't have any control over. We can pray about those concerns, but, but we, we have no control in bringing healing to a person. We have no control in providing a job for myself. God is in control of those things. But inside that big circle is a smaller circle. And I would call that the circle of our responsibilities. There are things that we know we're to do. We know that we're to be doing what we can to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We know that we're to be uh, studying and meditating on the word of God and praying that God would work in all of these concerns. We know that we're to be sharing the word with other people and, and sharing hope and Christ with them. We know that we're responsible to do those things. But what happens is we often, we get so focused on the concerns that we lose sight of our responsibilities. We jump out of our little circle of responsibilities and we start trying to play God. We start trying to control things that we have no control over. And that's pretty frustrating for us. We get discouraged during that season. What we need to do while we're waiting on God in all of these areas of concern, focus on the things that we know we're to do. Continue to grow in Christ. Continue to disciple and encourage other people in their growth in Christ. Be the best husbands and wives we can be, be the best citizens we can be. We, we have many things that we can focus on. And that leads to the third point. We have to leave the results ultimately to Him. Uh, we, we cannot try to take matters into our own hands. We've got to learn to keep our hands off. Remember what happened to Abraham, right? As a result of that, Ishmael is born. Brings drama into the family. Remember what happened to Saul? He had the kingdom taken away from him, trying to take matters into his own hands. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's the hard part for me to get. In all your ways acknowledge him. And the King James says he will direct your paths. Uh, the literal understanding is he will make the path, the road in front of you straight. He'll make it clear as we trust in him. Not always easy to do, but important that we do it. Uh, this last fall, many of you remember, we voted to build a building. Uh, we, we needed extra storage space because we had to bust out another wall downstairs and we didn't really have anywhere to put things and we were hoping at the same time to, to create a space for our uh, youth ministry or Thrive Student Ministries so they could have their own spot to meet every week. And so we began this process and knew immediately where we wanted to put it. Probably wasn't gonna work out because it's in a partial floodplain and uh, they don't like you building in floodplains even though to be honest, that floodplain map's from 2010 and the new map is 2019 and there's plenty of space for us to build back here. Uh, but, you know, you're waiting on the government because they haven't adopted the 2019 flood map. That's just the way they work. So, um, anyway, we, we began to meet with the city, had a meeting with the city. Uh, some of our deacons and trustees sat down with them and within like two minutes realized this, this $35,000 building that we were going to build has now become a $100,000 building. And we're not going to be able to do this. God made straight the path in that moment that this is not going to happen right now. We need to focus attention elsewhere. 
And so it's discouraging to a degree, but it's also encouraging when we recognize God's making straight the paths, he's got a plan, and we just have to wait right now. We have to stuff people where we can stuff them and do what we need to do and continue to, to, to function in the ministry. And uh, so God has a particular plan. That's waiting on him in patience. Second thing, last thing we want to look at is persevering through adversity. We have to persevere through adversity. Would you look with, with me at 1 Peter chapter 4? 1 Peter 4, if you're in James, uh, you're right next door to Peter. 1 Peter 4. Verse 12 and 13. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Trials are going to come. Adversity will come. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. When, when the trial rings the doorbell to our house, we shouldn't be shocked. Jesus has already prepared us and said, following me will be difficult. There will be trials and tribulation. The, the history that we see of God's people from Genesis to present uh, shows trial upon trial. Adversity is a normal part of following God. It's a normal part of living in this fallen world. So to this point, author Jerry Bridges writes this. He says, whereas long-suffering should be our pace and reaction to people who mistreat us or provoke us, endurance and perseverance should be our patient reaction when circumstances try us. Endurance is the ability to stand up under adversity. Perseverance is the ability to progress in spite of the adversity. And listen, the source of the adversity may be the, the ill treatment of other people. Maybe what we talked about last week, people that do not respect us, uh, people that harm us, whether that's physically, financially, emotionally, physically, in any other capacity. But the trials also can result from Satan's attack. I've commented uh, somewhat jokingly, uh, we've had so many electrical and weird issues over the last like month here with internet going down on a Sunday, popping in microphones. I'm like, Satan's in the electric stuff here. He is working, uh, just trying to distract. Or the adversity may be the discipline of God in our life. It may ultimately be God teaching us something. Whatever the source, the key to endurance and patience is to believe and to embrace the truth that God is ultimately in control and that he has a good plan. Those are the two things we have to embrace. This is not out of his control and he has a good plan. That's what Romans 8 tells us. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose, whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. He is working these things together for the good of his children. 
One of my favorite promises comes a little bit later, Romans 8, I think it's 32, that says, uh, He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with Jesus, give us all things that we need? The question is, what more does God have to do to prove to us that he's in this for our good? He's already given us his son. He, he will continue to give to us the things that we need. We can trust this, this God. That's what the story of Joseph teaches us from the Old Testament. The story of Job. They went through adversity, but God had a plan. Our struggle, though, is most often when we don't see the purposes in the trial. All we see is the trial the adversity, and if you're like me, which I think you are, you just want out. You're just reaching for like the eject button or the eject lever to just say, get me out of this trial. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. We want out as quickly as possible. But that's not what God has for us. He's got us in the trial for a reason. Uh, Romans 15, 4 gives us this promise that, that in the encouragement of Scripture, we find hope. And through hope, we persevere. And so I want to I share with you two passages briefly. Um, I'm not going to break these down, just cover the basics, uh, that will be tools for you to help you navigate and be patient through adversity. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13 to start. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. One of the things that immediately happens when we find ourselves in adversity in a trial is we begin to say and think and believe, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody gets this. We feel quite alone in the trial. But what the first line of 1 Corinthians 10, 13 reminds us of is you're wrong. <laughs> This, these trials are common to man. Other people have been here. In fact, Christ has been tested and tried in every way like we have been, according to Hebrews chapter 4. And so we have to dismiss those truths. But notice the core of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. You don't have to reach for the lever to eject. God will provide for you a way through this trial. One other point that's often misunderstood with this particular verse is people will say, God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, that's not true. God will always give you more than you can handle. Because the point is, you have to learn to depend on him. You are not strong enough. You're not smart enough. None of us are. We need grace. And this reminds us that we lean on him to find that grace. He will not test us above that ability, the ability to continue to follow and depend on Christ. Second text I want to go to, James chapter 1. I already looked at the end of James. Let's look at the beginning of James and see what he says as he opens up his letter to his friends. James 1 verse 2 is where we'll start. James 1, 2. 
Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Strange words. But he gives us the reason for that. For you know. You can count it joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect so that you can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without approach and it will be given to him. What does he say? The testing of your faith, the adversity is leading you to greater Christ-likeness. It's leading you to love more, to be more patient, to show more kindness. That's what he means when he says that it's leading us to this, this thing that's perfect and complete. But notice what he says. You have to let steadfastness work. You can't bail out as soon as things get difficult. I remember years ago noting that particular phrase in this verse is this dealing with a young lady whose husband had sinned against her in a couple of different ways and, and uh, he was repentant but she was just so frustrated and ready to just run away from this whole circumstance and just reminded her you have to let let this work out let God do what he's doing right now. It's not comfortable it's not fun waiting it's not great in the dark of adversity but let it work its course in your life. I want to assure you today, my friends, that you can trust God. While you wait, you can trust God in the midst of the adversity. Paul wrote, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Job said it this way, God, though you slay me, I'll trust in you. I'll trust you in the adversity. So over the past two weeks, we've covered a lot of ground. Patience is not only needed as we wait on God, as we navigate through the adversity that we'll go through in this life, patience is needed as we deal with other people and interact with the world around us. Study the scriptures. Learn the patience of God. Remember God's patient love for you. Show that patient love to other people as we interact with them. Love is patient, according to 1 Corinthians 13. And so today... Where does God have you in a holding pattern? Where are you waiting on direction before the plane can land? Um, how are you handling that? Are you growing in patience in that time? What rough road of adversity does God have you on right now? How are you responding to that? Right now, I would ask you, if you would, to bow your head with me. Um, bow your heart, humble it. Ask Him in this moment of response to increase your faith. Ask Him to help you in your unbelief. 
Confess and repent where you have tried to take matters into your own hands, things that are not your responsibility, but you made them your responsibility. Confess and repent. Right now, put your trust in him. Surrender it all. Surrender it all to him as you wait, as you persevere. And I'll give you some time to pray. Father, you know we have many in our church family who are going through some very difficult adversity right now. They've cried out to you. We've cried out to you. We continue, God, to cry out to you. Help us to grow in the adversity. Help us to grow as we wait on you to give direction to, to our families, to our church, for the ministry. Help us to trust you, God. You've, you've done everything you could. You've recorded what you've done for us in your word that shows you're trustworthy. Just increase our faith. Help us to believe you more when it comes to waiting in line at a drive through to hearing a diagnosis that, that hurts our heart. In all areas of life, God, help us to grow in patience. We cannot do it alone. We don't have the power. But through our resurrected Savior, we do. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to encourage you with a couple things. One, um, take some time and look over the exercises, the, the questions, things that are on your bulletin that will help you just dig a little bit deeper and uh, gain a little more understanding of where you may be struggling, particularly with patients. And uh, I thought of this this morning, and I didn't, didn't have it in here. Um, one of my favorite groups musically uh, during uh, a season of time was Cademan's Call. Uh, it was a Christian group. That's why one of our kids' names is Cademan. And uh, they had a song that there's a couple lyrics that me and Faith used to share with each other quite often um, that uh, we don't as much anymore. But uh, I want to give you the lyrics of that. They say, this day's been crazy, but everything's happened on schedule. Uh, from the cold to the rain to the drink that I spilled on my shirt. God, you knew this day uh, long before I fell dead in the garden. You knew this day long before you made me out of dirt. And uh, we used to say that in those moments of crazy, just, hey, this day's been crazy, but everything has happened on schedule. God has a purpose for the times of waiting. God has a purpose for the times of adversity. And just trust Him in those things.